Welcome to Terror Talk. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give you a heads up about our Patreon community. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and join our Discord community, where we watch film together and chat daily. You also have early access to our episodes and a mini-cast that we do exclusively for Patreon members. Also, check out our new website at terrortalkpodcast.com. Follow along as we build it together. Most of all, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to talk. Uh, this is actually the second uh, episode in our female psychopath series. Mm-hmm. So today on the show, we're going to talk about the movie Single White Female and also uh, the psychopathy and also the personality disorder that is represented in that show uh, movie. And some other movie recommends actually at the end, because there's a lot of female obsession movies out there that are actually quite good. I mean, yeah, you guys will recognize the ones that I recommend, uh, but we'll get to that later. I did want to mention, though, Kathy, you, you, <laughs> you may or may not know this, but um, two things. Well, you know some of it. One thing is now we have a website. So we do. There's a website. Yeah. And one of the there's a couple of pages on there. Um, if you guys go and check it out that are password protected for patrons. And one of them, I just came up with this the other day, actually. One of them is a page dedicated to what the hell, which was a segment that we used to do. Oh, I'm see- I'm looking at it right now. And there's, there's, there was an outcry. Like all of a sudden I just realized um, I want to shout out a new patron of ours. Um, she goes by shell, like, like Michelle, but shell. And uh, she's a new patron of ours. And she actually said that she kind of, that she, well, one of the reasons why she wanted to support us is because I had talked about what the hell coming back and what we're doing on Patreon is doing dedicated what the hell episodes um, of which we just recorded a couple right before we started this. And uh, it's funny because she talked to me about like one of her favorite what the hell stories, which was something about Canadians or something which is not out of the realm of possibility. There were a lot of Canadian stories, but I was remembering my favorite. And one of my favorites was when the, um, when the three people broke into the house and they started snorting all this cocaine. Oh my and gosh. Ended up yeah, being, being ashes. And it ended up being someone's remains. <laughs> that was one of I my remember favorites. that one. Mm-hmm. Anywho, I wanted to mention that at the top of the show, just in case uh, you guys wanted to support us by becoming a patron. You can do so for as little as five bucks a month, and then there's all this extra content. So for our fans, we did it. And um, I'm still building it. I haven't even given out the password to our existing patrons yet, but maybe by the time this episode goes up, it'll be sorted out. All right, on to the show. So single white female. So this is a 1992 American psychologic, a psychological erotic thriller is sort of what they call it. Um, and it is, it is kind of erotic. It does. Several yeah. places. There's some butts and some boobs, by the way. It stars Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee, who Jason, Jennifer Jason Lee was one of my favorites of all time. Like I just love her. And, mm-hmm. and certainly during that era, she did a lot of really great work. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember seeing this movie? I don't really remember seeing this movie the first time, but I did rewatch it for this. I remember when it came out and I don't know if I ever saw it all the way through. I remember it creeping. This is really interesting because I could watch any type of horror, Mm -hmm. you know, but this movie was um, a whole other level. And I think at its time presenting a a female character like this too, there was just, it's a really 
disturbing movie. It was, and, it, and it's of the time too. And we, mm-hmm. we can get into some of the things that are really representative of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the basic premise is a woman advertiser advertising. Oh, a woman advertising for a new roommate finds that something very strange is going on with the tenant who decides to move in. You know what's so funny about this movie is that I maybe watched it once a long time ago. So I really didn't remember any of it. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't really either. So as I'm watching those first few scenes, I literally was thinking, wait, is Bridget Fonda the crazy one? I don't mean, you know, crazy meaning um, pathological. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like us, us, especially in the mental health field, to use the word crazy because they think it pathologizes mental health, but I'm using it in the colloquial. And in this movie, there was someone who was sane and someone who was insane. Right. Let's put it that way. Um, I couldn't remember who was the sane and who was the insane one. And then Jennifer Jason Lee walked into the room mm-hmm. as the roommate. And I was like, oh, it's got to be Jennifer because she always played insane. Yeah. During that time, especially. She plays that... Uh, like off she's always a little off even quirky. even fast times at ridgemont high right there yep. was like something very yeah quirky i guess strange I, yeah she's always been quirky and i think that's her appeal mm-hmm. i think a lot of i I've, I've known a few like diehard fans of hers mm-hmm. and us and her movie choices too mm-hmm. along the way were always she's really good they were always meaty she, yeah. she always made choices that where she could really lean into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, she, uh, I, when I first started watching this movie, I didn't remember a, a lot of it. And so it was um, new to me really. And I chose it because for this series, because I know that female obsession can often lead to psychopathy And so can, and it can also be a factor in borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk in a little bit about how those two things are correlated, but I wanted to talk about some of the just the disturbing behavior that we witnessed by Hetty. So let's make, let's talk a little list of that. Mm -hmm. Um, She, I, one thing I wanted to say that I noticed right off the bat was that when she interviewed to be the roommate, she did this, they do this little dance in the kitchen where Bridget is trying to do something with the sink and it's not working. And then, you know, there's this little like cute meat thing in the kitchen. And I noticed that she constructs it where she goes over to help Bridget Jennifer Jason Lee goes over to help Bridget with the faucet and the faucet breaks and they get water all over themselves and then mm-hmm. they all take off their clothes and everybody's got to dry their clothes and it could be seen. And this was what I thought was good about the beginning of this movie is, is that could be seen as just like an innocuous happening where like that could happen to any of us. But what I saw was sort of the subtlety of that personality mm-hmm. in that, Bridget asks her, hey, this is the the conversation starts with, hey, this isn't a good time. Right. Could we maybe could you maybe come back tomorrow? And Jennifer Jason Lee's character says something along the lines of. 
oh, don't you need help with, you know, like, like, oh, but I can help. What's wrong? I can help you. It's something mm-hmm. to do with this, you know, I'm having a bad day, what have you. And she just ingratiates herself and seems like a nice person. Mm-hmm. And then the faucet thing happens. And then she ends up staying and then she ends up being the roommate. And I just noticed that very subtle, which most people would never even, because what would we all do? We go, oh, no problem. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's, it looks like you're having a bad day. Absolutely. Yeah, you I'll don't see know you this person. You're not getting no. into their business. You, I'm not yeah. going to be like, oh, I'll help you with that or whatever she says. So it's funny because in the context of a movie, it seems really like, oh, well, she was just trying to help her or what have you. But mm-hmm. to me, I thought, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Because I would just say, no problem. Like I would have boundaries. Right. And so it's the first boundary violation. Yep. And you see this as a, a pattern of hers throughout the film where she um, she presents as this wounded, unassuming, but is always kind of pushing herself just enough where, at least at the beginning, like you said, from Bridget Fonda's character, mm-hmm. I think Bridget Fonda's character is so distracted by her, you know, relationship that is being worked on and the stress of her work and all this. So um, as as a as an audience, you can see it build up, but it takes Bridget a little bit longer because she's distracted by life until it literally becomes so overt that it's like, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But really, we see the buildup. We totally yeah. do. But I'm not sure, honestly, if, you know, when I first saw this movie a million years ago, if I would have noticed that, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that, so hard. I, like I said, I don't remember it. So it's that hard was to say. definitely me being a therapist and looking at this from a perspective yeah. of like looking at this as a mental health film. Yeah. And, and also we're going to talk about it. And so I just picked up on it I was mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, see, that's mm-hmm. where I would have said, no, no, I'll go. And then the movie's over. Mm-hmm. So that's not a movie, but anyway, <laughs> so there were these subtleties of that. And then she starts to, you know, and then, you know, fast forward, we see all of this behavior, these, um, you know, the, the, um, wanting to always be together and following her around and getting her a dog and doing that whole thing where she's just being the best friend mm-hmm. and Bridget doesn't think anything of it. She's kind of annoyed at the beginning. Yeah, like, she's okay, like you needy. didn't ask. Yeah. She's yeah. kind of needy and all of that. But then, you know, then they show a scene of them like sleeping with the dog and everything's fine. But mm-hmm. then very quickly things, you can tell that she's manipulative. You can tell that she has some delusions going on just mm-hmm. like really subtly. You can tell that she's obsessed mm-hmm. uh, with Bridget and, uh, that there's some kind of identity issue going on mostly right. is, is what you can really tell. Um, or lack of, <laughs> right, exactly. A lack of understanding of who she is or, mm-hmm. or, you know, and wanting to borrow, right. Wanting to borrow that identity. And I, you know, then <laughs> I think when it really takes a turn, obviously is when she gets the hairdo. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we should have a trigger warning that there's a uh, portrayal of an animal dying. And we're spoiling this movie. So, I mean, it's from 1992. If you haven't yeah. seen it, <laughs> don't click on this episode. I mean, the, the thing is, though, you know the movie's about the second the animal comes into frame, you're like, well, that's going to be a hard scene oh, to watch. You just I, know it. I totally knew it. And I was, I was like, mad. Oh. I was actually mad when I saw that little puppy. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like, I know they're going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. You totally know because she's a psychopath mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, here here it comes. Yeah. And when, when it happened... And I do this a lot in movies because if there's things I 
don't really I'm just I just don't want to tolerate usually what I'll do is I'll just keep the movie playing and go to the bathroom because I know what's happening I know what's going to come like Mm -hmm. uh, most of us know what's going to come and I like you said I certainly know when there's an animal introduced to a psychopath what's going to happen in Mm -hmm. the movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. but this one I just muted it and did something on my computer (laughs) so I could see out of my peripheral vision what was going on um, and it's very quick, you guys. It's very quick. You know it's going to happen. It's it's quick, but yeah, they don't drag it out. But it's still it's. But jarring. Bridget is. But Bridget is like beside herself as devastated any, as anybody yeah. would be. And then um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character takes that opportunity to get close to the boyfriend. And right. So I mean, highly manipulative. It's looked at. It's perceived as an accident, you know. Mm-hmm. And just taking, I'm take two steps backwards, the. The boyfriend was fixing the window that morning. The dog falls out of the window. Um, boyfriend's fixing the window that morning. So what a perfect opportunity to sort of um, put the the question of responsibility into this gray area mm-hmm. and for Jennifer Jason Lee to step in and go, oh, you said it was fixed. And, you know, trying to play this whole, which then gets the boyfriend to go, no, nobody needs to, it's my fault. Right. So she's now creating mm-hmm. more of a wedge between the boyfriend and um, uh, Bridget Fonda's character. Yep. And this is now where we start to see that um, sort of, uh, what do you call it? Um, covert, narcissistic, mm-hmm. wounded, like, oh, I, and that's the part where really, I think that was before, that's before the hair. That was the part that really made me go, oh my God, I'd be running so far from that bitch. Yeah, it's difficult because if you didn't, if you weren't really uh, experienced with this personality, you might not. Mm-hmm. Because, You'd still have all of your feelings, but you what people do in relationships with people with personality disorders that don't know any better, um, and we would have been susceptible to it before, of course. before our training, is we do what humans do, which was we actually assume assume the story. We, we believe the story. Right. Um, and she's also trying to get back with her boyfriend. You know, it's very complex. They set it up in a good way as far as like, you can see why she believes it, but she and us are going like, okay, this something's not something's really but, wrong. But you're right. There's that cognitive dissonance. It's like yeah. she had to make, and, and you're right. This is, this is why, you know, when we say that, you know, that saying of why didn't you just leave? Like yeah, yeah, abuse, yeah. how, how that is so victim blaming because if you don't know you're in a relationship of any kind with an abuser, you are assuming that they're telling you the truth and you're going along with that. And, you know, it's this idea of like, I miss the red flags. Well, but at the same time in any other relationship that may not have been a red flag. So it's really hard until like you, you said, Shannon, until you understand that this person is abusive, you're just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And so you start, this is where that gaslight, you start to feel like you're going crazy because you're trying to trust this relationship because this is what narcissists are also really good at too is is um, getting you to question your sense of reality because she does all these really nice things on the side where you're like, well, if she's doing that, then can she be that bad? Right. Well, and I just want to mention that for people who have an advanced, untreated 
uh, version of borderline personality, which is what I believe Jennifer has mm-hmm. in this movie, along with psychopathy, mm-hmm. which they are not always mutually exclusive, but we'll get into that. Um, you know, that kind of unstable reality, reality and gaslighting and crazy making is pretty much Jennifer just displaying how she feels inside, mm-hmm. like her sense of self and all of that. Um, she just can't, <laughs> she can't regulate it. It doesn't, it nothing, it doesn't all go together for her. So right. it's like fragmented. Right. And so if we're talking about um, borderline personality, you know, you're really looking at someone who has, you know, poor self image. Mm-hmm. That's represented for sure. Uh, trouble directing yourself, wanting to take direction from others always. Um, impulsive and self damaging behaviors. So she definitely does that. Mm-hmm. Um, the changing of moods, the intense changing of yes. moods, because there's this point in the movie where, um, and I've exp- I've been on the other end of this many times, is it's it's one thing and then all of a sudden you, you know you're a hate you're a, you're the problem they turn it on you and then you're the problem and there's that like quick changing intense um like projection the pen, like the pendulum swings yeah the projection mm-hmm. that happens that i love you i hate you thing um they often feel you know empty and angry you see that definitely in jennifer's character she's like empty and angry and she doesn't know what to do and when she starts to realize that there are these other people that are she decides that the neighbor and the boyfriend are the people that are keeping Bridget from loving her and making her number one. When she decides that they're the problem, then the psychopathy really takes over. Because up until then, it's all just been manipulative, mm-hmm. um, gaslighting, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then she she decides that there's the problem, and then that you know the paranoid thoughts. I think when because often with BPD, your paranoid thoughts can, you know, they get a lot worse when you're stressed. Yeah. I want to continue to say BPD is not the same as psychopathy. And I'm not saying they are, but, you know, her abandonment issues are quite clear because her mm-hmm. trauma is that her twin sister died mm-hmm. when she was little. And even though her parents tried to tell her, that it wasn't her fault. She didn't believe them, mm-hmm. which is common in children. You know, the inter- one of the interesting things about the structure of this movie, I thought, was that you don't know what her trauma is until, like, the epilogue. Yep. And I think, per- for me, that's a fail. Like, it's just one way to do it. It's fine. It was a good movie. I'm really nitpicking. But there are other movies that we'll mention at the end of this episode that I think made for better tension because right. of it. Um, but yeah, the the history, so the behaviors we're also seeing in her are the history of unstable relationships. Mm-hmm. At one point we, we find out that she's got another identity. She's changed her identity a bunch of times and she's had roommates and pe- different people who are trying looking for her and, you know, her parents are calling her up and saying they find her at one point and mm-hmm. they're saying, you know, like you can come in for treatment. And that's really when we get the like, oh, yeah, this is she's sick. You know, she's really suffering mm-hmm. and this isn't going to go well. Yeah, it's a painful movie to watch. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's just really uncomfortable. Yep. Because clearly, you know, when you're watching Jennifer Jason's Lee, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, it's really disturbing. You understand there's a, a, a trauma there, 
but then you're watching how this trauma is completely annihilating two other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know. To me, it's one of it. It's a hard. It was a hard movie to get through because it's so uncomfortable um, and devastating on a number of, on a number of levels. And and she really is a very pathetic character. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that I have empathy for her, but it's more that um, I don't know. I don't even really know how to articulate it. But it, it's I a actually- hard movie to get through. Yeah, I understand. And I, I, I think in what I hear and what you're saying is that I, I did have empathy for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it uncomfortable. When you, mm-hmm. when you have empathy for someone who does terrible things yeah. and is the bad guy in the scenario. Yeah. And I think you and I do a lot of work with the identified patient or the quote unquote bad guy in a mm-hmm. relationship. Um, when we feel empathy for them in a movie situation, obviously when we do it in our work, it's, that's what's required. But when we're watching a movie and we actually, Jennifer Jason Lee plays it so well. Yeah. She's such an empathetic actor. Mm-hmm. She's like odd duck kind of victimy, pathetic whatever. Yeah. And then you just, through the entire performance, except for in the moments when she's just being so violent, through but through the rest of the performance, you just feel that her, her just being quite ill. She's very ill. And I think that might just stir up really uncomfortable emo- emotions in, in audience members. Right. Honestly, because yeah. it's hard to empathize with someone who's being so destructive. I mean, that's yeah. just, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now also, I mean, tell me what you think about this. Like the experience of being female and being diagnosed with mental illness and being labeled quote unquote borderline or psychopathic or both, which I imagine is what the hospital calling probably labeled her with. Mm -hmm. And then being female, you know, BPD is so stigmatized to begin with Mm -hmm. that the misconception, now this is 1992. So they don't even mention any of these words we're mentioning at all. Um, They don't, they don't pathologize it at all, which I think is smart, Mm -hmm. but it's like the experience of being female with a mental illness is so kind of rife with shame Mm -hmm. and inadequacy. And that's a uh, BPD is already someone who has terrible self-esteem and then to be put under stress and be, you know, it's just like I was really aware of how, again, it's 1992. I was aware of how, as a woman, it was so pathologizing too. Like I didn't exactly love that at one point in the movie, she goes to a BDSM club. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, she must be crazy because she likes. Well, the, anytime they make those associations, like, you know, when we're pathologizing sex workers or we're patholo- you know, and we add that into OB- now this like sends it over the edge because now they're affiliated with this. And yeah, because she's kinky. She's right. a killer. Like what? that's right. Or immoral in any <laughs> right. way. Right. And right. so this is where I think, Hollywood and and I know we're gonna do a, a an episode on um, uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, which we'll get into that even more. But I think that that tends to be you know when you bring up the the idea of just the fact that she's a female mm-hmm. associated with this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly, you know, now if you add the sexual component simply because she's a female, that somehow it makes her sicker. 
Um, and that's problematic. It's not problematic just in Hollywood's portrayal, but I think even in the mental health industry is we, there's still a lot of gender bias around things. And so when you look at, um, that association, that that's always something that's really problematic for me. Yeah. And I think if more uh, people knew how treatable now I get in this particular movie, they, they make the assertion that she is, treatment resistant, which is very common, you know, that she's running from treatment. Basically, mm-hmm. her parents have been trying to put her in a hospital and she's been running from that and changing her identity so that she's right. not found. And so I get how they took care of that in a story structure way. So mm-hmm. that's one piece of it. But if we're talking about real life, it's like if more people knew how treatable borderline personality disorder is, mm-hmm. Um, that there are ways to manage your emotions. And also as you get older, a lot of stuff regulates and as you have more coping skills and um, because most women who are diagnosed with this are in their twenties, early Mm thirties, you know, as they age, as they get more coping, as, as they're treated, things do get better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people look at it like they look at it narcissism where, well, nothing to do with that, you know. <laughs> no, BPT has, I mean, I think one of the um, the the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but I think a significant reason why it's more treatable is because with borderline, they're, they're wearing their symptoms on the outside. They're very aware of how tormenting and, and potentially how they're tormenting others. There's a different, there's this, there's a, a self-awareness piece to a certain extent that can be worked with because their life is blowing up around them. Whereas narcissism, they're just reactive, reacting in this defensive state that it's really everyone else around them that's being affected. So with BPD, you see people who, if they commit to the therapy, can actually do a lot of great work. Here's the piece though, is like, we don't, you know, if we're attaching this to psychopathy, if she's also a psychopath, we have a, now we have a different issue. Yeah. Which leads me, this is great. I know you were going to say something, but let me, yeah, let, go me ahead. let me just jump in here super quick because I actually have a couple of um, research articles that I think speak to that mm-hmm. because what, what I found unique about this movie, and I didn't really know how we were going to tackle it until I watched it and started thinking about her diagnosis, et cetera, is that, you know, I saw like, this is really someone who has borderline personality. And then I wanted to dig into the research because they portray her as a psychopath as well. And so, and she is very violent in this for the last half of the movie. So I was like, oh, well, let me, like, there's a correlation there that not everybody, like, I don't want people with borderline to think that that correlation is always there. Exactly. So let me dig into the research for a bit. So I did find a couple of things that I thought I would share. Um, so this first article is called Emotion in Criminal Offenders with Psychopathy and Borderline Personality Disorder. So this uh, these, these people, <laughs> the researchers, They endeavored to, uh, they took 25 psychopaths as defined by the hair psychopathy checklist, which we talked about many times on the show, and they had control subjects as well. And so they took these people, they had 18 subjects with BPD from a two- uh, from two high security forensic treatment facilities were included along with 24 control subjects. Um, And they did an electrodermal response uh, in order to, uh, look at, uh, regulate, I'm not finding my words. They were looking at the emotional arousal, the modulation of the startle reflex as a measure of, of 
uh, reaction and then the activity of a, mu a particular muscle that's called the corrugator muscle as an index of emotional expression. So they had these uh, medical ways of looking at it because it's a journal of psychiatry that did this. So, mm -hmm. you know, they were really wanting to see the reactions. And so the conclusions from it was that the results support the theory that psychopaths are characterized by a pronounced lack of fear in response to averse events. Furthermore, the results suggest a general deficit in processing affective information, regardless of whether stimuli is negative or positive. And the emotional hyper-responsiveness was specific to psychopaths since results for offenders with BPD indicate a widely adequate processing of emotional stimuli. So all that to say, it's a lot of words. Compared with the controls, the psychopaths were characterized by decreased electrodermal responses, mm -hmm. less facial expressions, and absence of effective startle modulation, just as you would imagine. They don't startle, their facial expressions stay the same, and they're literally not responsive. A higher percentage of the psychopaths showed no startle reflex, but the subjects with BPD showed a response pattern very similar to that of the controls. They showed comparable autonomic arousal and the startle responses were the strongest to unpleasant slides and the weakest to pleasant slides. So what they're saying is, is that the psychopaths didn't respond to either one of the stimulus, whether negative or positive, but BPT, the BPD sufferers did, but neither one of them responded with facial modulation. So when, so for all of us, when you're looking at that research, it's suggesting that if you're looking at someone who has BPD on the left of you and someone who is a strict psychopath on the right of you, they're going to present the same because they're not going to show you any uh, response. They're not going to have a startle response. They're not going to, you know, like they're not going to show you a response, but un under the skin, they are reacting inside of them with unpleasant, you know, th mm -hmm. they, I'm sorry. They're actually experiencing the BPD, it. BPD did have startle responses, yeah. but their face, that's what I wanted to say. They had startle responses, but their faces like their will affect. look the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, neither one of them had affect, which I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I have a, a article here, um, borderline personality disorder with psych psychopathic traits, a critical review um, from clinical medical journal and it actually goes into some similar stuff they describe um you know what bpd is which we already have and psychopathy which is a mental condition characterized by a deficit of emotional processing interpersonal relations and self-regulation then they talk about a, a two-factor model so factor one is related to the interpersonal and effective components of psychopathy such as lack of remorse guilt manipulative egocentric grandiosity factor two refers to impulsive antisocial behavior such as the susceptibility to boredom difficulties for planning irresponsibility blah 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 so psychopathy has traditionally been linked to the diagnosis of APD, antisocial personality disorder, but this is what this article says. Recent research suggests that APD is related only to certain aspects of factor two psychopathy um, and suggested that borderline personality disorder was even closer to psychopathy than APD since APD is mainly limited to behavioral alterations, whereas BPD presents affective and interpersonal deficits in the same line as psychopathy. So it's interesting because it's kind of, it's, it's in some ways 
saying the opposite, I think, of what... Well, I think what this art, what the article you're talking about is trying to suggest is that is was saying or what they concluded was that they were trying to do a. This is the one that where they did a survey of literature, right? The mm-hmm. borderline personality was like like a critical review. It's that one, right? Mm-hmm. They, um, I I think what happened was is they were trying to see if they were linked, and it it did say. I mean, the one of the conclusions is that the phenomenological relationship between BPD mm-hmm. and psychopath and psychopathy is confirmed. In other words, which is one of the things I was looking for when we were talking about this movie, because I, when, when I first looked at it, I was like, huh, I don't know the research around those two things being together because mm-hmm. I normally only deal with one or the other. In other words, the people I've treated, I mean, now, if I kind of look back at it, maybe when I was first starting, then I, and I wouldn't have known, but I'm looking at more people that have either strict personality disorders or, you know, strict criminal behavior or psychopathy. And I'm not sure I've seen a ton. I personally, you'd, you're working more forensically than I am currently, certainly. So you probably see that more often, but I was kind of looking like, are they often correlated? Is right. there research? And they are. And that right. was, that was where this article is where I found that. And then it was like, whether or not the relationship between the two, you know, reflects, you know, real comor- comorbidity, or if it's just the overlapping totally. of the impulsivity and the unsta- unst- instability. But like, I think you clear, like the, how you stated it makes perfect sense. So what might we might see on the outside doesn't mean it, the same thing's going on on the inside. It just may present affectively the same. The, there's a part of this study that uh, I think correlates more with what you were saying. It says other studies correlate BPD with factor two psychopathy. Um, Which is the impulsivity, by yeah, the way, yes. for everybody. Right. So this relationship may be due to the symptoms shared between the secondary psychopath Um which I talked about on one of our Patreon episodes, the primary and secondary shared between the secondary psychopath and the patient with BPD, such as impulsivity, emotional instability, and reactive aggression. Um, Yeah. Yep. So this movie was interesting for me because I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this too, as I was taking this sort of like 1992 slightly, it's very you know, it's very 1992. So there's a little bit of like, ooh, kind of cheesy because it's 1992. And like the fact that she goes to a BDSM club, you know, that the that the psychopath BPD sufferer is into kink, you know, they, it's such a stereotype, horrible stereotype and such a pathologizing of all three of those things, really. Um, but I was trying to look at it from a somewhat intellectual standpoint, like, okay, well, what is this movie really showing me mental health wise? Mm -hmm. And that's what it was, was that it was like, she absolutely demonstrates all the psychopathy and she absolutely demonstrates all of this borderline personality. And so how are those two correlated? And I thought it was super interesting to see like how, how you, as a person in the world, meaning someone who might not be in mental health, would maybe see that it's not different. Mm-hmm. And that and that's what I thought was interesting about like, oh, well, they would present very similarly. They would just, it's about motivation is how I see it. Absolutely. And I think this is what makes diagnosis so difficult and why, 
you know, one of the first things that um, I learned in my forensic training, which is clinical interviews are only as good as a flip of a coin. Our ability to assess someone just visually and verbally only gives us part of the picture, but like your study, you know, that goes into what's actually going on neurologically and the manifest state, how it's manifesting underneath the surface is what gives us the real answer. And it's why our field, there's so much um, controversy around things because until we understand it's so much deeper than what we see, um, this is a perfect example of that because you're saying here are two completely different diagnoses. Not that psychopathy is diagnosis, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, both demonstrating very similar, you know, factor two psychopathic traits. However, one actually feels and the other does not at all. Right. It's so interesting because they can manifest. Absolutely. And so then as... Um psychologists you wonder it's like this is the piecing a part of the puzzle and this is why so much of the time you know we we've talked a lot in different true crime episodes about psychologists or psychiatrists who've gotten it wrong and gotten on the stand and and said and and had an opinion that ended up being very false Mm -hmm. or faulty and you just i have a lot of empathy for that too because Mm -hmm. You just see how complicated it is. Very complicated. It's even for those of us who may have a, a, some expertise in that. It's very complicated because everyone can be conned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Park Dietz can be conned by mm-hmm. a, an, an extremely adept psychopath. So the rest of us are, you know, just trying to hang in there. So it's like I, I thought that was really interesting about this movie, and um. It made me go into a little bit rabbit hole and I actually, like I learned some more things. I I think that's really important to make that distinguishment because if we're not, if like you were saying, someone who has borderline personality disorder, given the right treatment can make some progress. Someone who's psychopathic, malignant, narcissist, whatever, we're dealing with a whole other breed, Mm -hmm. but they could be they could demonstrate they could they could um look very similar next to each other so i yeah. just it, i think it's it's just why you and i love this industry the the complexity of the human psyche and what we when i go when i prepare for testimony or any sort of evaluation that i'm doing the question that i've always been um that was asked of me to ask myself is what information do i not have mm-hmm. what's missing Right. What else do I need? That's actually a question that I ask in um, group supervision when they do case presentations. Mm-hmm. They'll do a cra- case presentation, and I'm and I and I run it like I'm super clear about what I want their peers to ask them. And one of the questions I want their peers to ask is, "What don't you know from the presentation?" Right. And then ask them those questions. Right. Like, don't give me a diagnosis. Don't tell them what they should do with the client. Like, right. I actually don't want to hear everybody's way that they should treat What's the this plan. Client. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also don't want everyone kind of piling on and say, you should do this or no. you should do that. Like, that's not, not helpful. helpful. But mm-hmm. like, what don't you know? And What's then coming up for you? What's, yeah, mm-hmm. Because then the person presenting can say, Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that, and I should find out. Type right. of thing. Yeah. So you and I are on the same page as we often are. But um, 
this movie, and this will lead me into some other movies that I, I find really exceptional in this kind of female obsession um, f- uh, genre, <laughs> subgenre, I don't know, trope maybe, um, is that in this movie, what you're seeing is that the motivation is very different. The motivation for Jennifer Jason Lee to pop off and become incredibly violent is this threat to herself like she was putting together a self she was borrowing Bridget Fonda's self and when that starts to rip apart she taps into that stress for her personality issues and then she uh it, the impulsivity of her behavior becomes crazy and they even show it in the murders that happen when she attempts to murder the neighbor uh she plays a victim and he gets close and they, they play it out like she didn't really mean to kill him, but she was there to do that. Mm-hmm. But they play it out like she wasn't. And mm-hmm. the same thing happens with all of the other, she plays the victim in the situation, which right. is very different than how you would portray a psychopath right? without the impulsivity. Mm-hmm. Um, misery. Mm. That's a movie that's that obsessional mm-hmm. psychopathy. Uh, where a female becomes obsessed with someone, a writer that she loves, mm-hmm. Kathy Bates. Oh, she's so good in that. And uh, and kidnaps him and, and on we go. Um, hand that, hands that rock the cradle. I, I feel like that might be one we can do next. Rebecca DeMornay is unbelievable in that movie. Yeah, and what's different about that movie is that um, you know that she's there to do harm. Yes. Like that's the setup. So that the difference between the, these movies are kind of flip-flopped with with single white female, you don't really know what's going on. There's this like slow burn of uh she seems sort of insane. With The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, y- y- there's a powerful motivation and she is there to do damage. She's a psychopath. And you know <laughs> yeah. and you know she's there to do yeah. damage, yes. which is very different. Very different. But it also mm-hmm. is like an obsessive kind of mm-hmm. psychopathy, but it's mm-hmm. not what we're dealing with here. <laughs> right. Uh fatal attraction mm-hmm. is another one in this in this realm, maybe more towards the a borderline mm-hmm. um psychopathy. Swim fan is a really great Yep. Is a really great one. Wow, um, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, it's one of the ones I was. Cons- I got to watch it again to see if we would do. Okay, consider that one because when I came up with it, and I, I was like, oh, I kind of remember this movie, and I do remember it's in this, you know, realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. Uh, the Crush, and then of course, if you want to rock it old school, play Misty for me. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. such a great movie. By the way, if you haven't seen it, everyone, Clint Eastwood, uh, play Misty for me is maybe one of the the grandmothers of of this kind of yeah. uh, movie. But yeah, so I had an interesting time. Like I, as we've said many many times, this show, doing this show, and attempting to speak intelligently about certain things has actually had us learn. And right. And through watching these films, it's like, what is it about this film that I can learn something from that amplifies my own knowledge and then I can share it with everybody. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that. This was a really good one to do because I think it was important to make that, um, to be able to distinguish between the two. 
Agreed. And and I'll just say before we, yeah. we end, I think that's a, um, looking at Rebecca De Mornay in Hand That Rocks Cradle and looking at Jennifer Jason Lee in Single White Female, like you said, the motivation, right, mm-hmm. is so different. Right. So if maybe the next in the series is, is that movie, then we'll be able to really clearly juxtapose yeah. them. So. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. This is Terra Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again... Sleep safe.